0: So I watched the Game Awards live. Like I've been I've been an avid like watcher of a lot of streams recently because like I watched Ludwig's chess boxing stream that he just did, which was enlightening, by the way. Do you guys know about this sport? What is no. chess boxing? Chess boxing. Oh, now, chess you, boxing. Yeah, chess. So you play chess and then you do a round of boxing. Then you play and then if no one gets, you know, TKO'd or no one wins the game of chess, you go back to chess for another like um, I think it's like two minutes on the timer. Then you go back into the ring for ninety seconds, and then you go back to the chess for two uh, for two minutes. Then back to the to the ring, and then one final match of chess. So it's four rounds of chess, three rounds of boxing. You have to either get lose in boxing or losing in chess. Wait, so so if you win in either one of them, you're good to go. Yep. If you win that's in ridiculous. either, that's ridiculous. So it's crazy. The the hard part is you have to. You know, when you start at the chessboard, you're good, but then you get to the boxing and you fight for 90 seconds, getting your shit beat in, and then you immediately go back to playing this difficult mind game. <laughs> so Ludwig threw an expensive as hell chess boxing tournament this past weekend, and it was insanity. I don't know how much you guys know about like streamers and whatnot, but I've been learning a lot because I've been watching a lot of him. Uh, he had... Abroad in Japan, which is a uh, a channel that I followed for a long time, um, like back in college, because I was really interested in traveling to Japan. Um, this guy named uh, Chris Broad, uh, he's, you know, broad in Japan. His last name is broad. So so he, um, he lives in Japan and he fought a guy who looked like he was on like, or like looked like he was on steroids or something like that. And now this, this abroad in Japan guy is not that fit. He's a, he's a good cyclist and like has done like marathons and stuff, Mm -hmm. but he's not like Anything crazy? Like he's just a a normal-looking guy versus this guy who looks like he can knock him out in one punch, and he beat him. Yeah, it was so cool because because the the way that Chris ended up winning was, um I believe he lasted long enough against him in the ring. Like they fought and they fought and they fought, and he almost got like hit a couple of times where he got knocked out, and then he beat him in the on the chessboard. Which That's was awesome. Insane. It was awesome to watch. Um, there was a lot of controversy because these two female streamers, who were the only like female, um, what's it called? Um, uh, chess players, boxers? No, no, no. It was like female competitors. Yeah, we'll just go with competitors. The only two um, female competitors here. There was huge drama because one of them is a grandmaster chess player, while the Ooh. other one is like 500 points below her. And then the other girl is a great streamer and a great athlete. And oh. so they get out there, and like the one girl is like just. You know, basically buying time on the chessboard um, until they can fight. And then she fights, and this girl has stamina because she's going wild hitting this grandmaster in the face like multiple times. Um, Like it's back and forth and back and forth as they get back to the chessboard. it's like, oh man, is she going to beat her in chess before they get back to it? And it's like, no, they do get to fight again. Yeah, the whole crowd's screaming. They get down to where they're getting down to the last few seconds in the fight. And the one girl, Dina, um, you know, the. Ref has to call her back and, like, count in her face to make sure she's good to go. They do that the third time, but the timer ends, so everyone's like, so does she win or lose? Because, you know, after the third time of getting pulled to the side like that or getting knocked down three times, you lose the boxing match. So, she got pulled to the side three times, but while she was getting pulled to the side, the timer went off. So, it was like, so do they play chess again? So, on the stream, they did they played chess again, and she beat the other girl in chess, so it was like, oh, Dina wins, all oh, be- oh, beans, yeah, there we go, and then afterwards, they rewatched the footage and took the win away from her and gave it to the other girl because the timer was uh, or like, because she was getting pulled to the side for the third time, which I liked better because that one girl, she Dina talked so much smack before the before the thing, and I was enjoying watching her get hit, but she seemed like <laughs> a genuinely nice person. I was just enjoying the fight. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, and also, Sea dog do you guys know who this is no no he's a voice actor very popular voice actor who um lives in japan as well he's a good friend with ludwig at the end because ludwig didn't fight in the tournament um the shoutcaster guy um was like hey yeah look everything's everything's over blah blah ludwig why didn't you fight and he's like (laughs) talking to him and they're like you know what we think Ludwig should fight, and the whole crowd's, like, going crazy. Like, Ludwig, you had to fight. Ludwig's like, no, I don't want to fight. But it, obviously, it's planned. It's staged, like, WWE. <laughs> yeah. And C-Dog VA is in the crowd, and they're like, who wants to fight Ludwig? And C-Dog VA is just sitting there, hand <gasps> in the air, waiting for his turn. They, you know, pretend. They walk to the side. They're like, what about you, stranger? And they call C-Dog VA up, and um, they did a slap chest, uh, slap boxing, or go, oh, slap chess yeah it was like slap slap chess chess. so they did they both got one solid smack on the face from each other and then sat down and played chess until it got down and i kid you guys not the victory came down to a timeout on the chess board because both players were so close on chess and they had they had specific timers so whoever ran out of time first or lost chess was whoever was whoever lost and it came down to the millisecond both of their timers said zero almost at the... Because you have to go back and forth on the timer. And they were both making a move and clicking the buzzer as fast as possible until it got down to the milliseconds. And then C-Dog VA's runs out just after Ludwig's. And he beats him by literally half a second, like less than a second left on the clock. It was, it was intense. And it was like watching an anime, like watching these two go back and forth. Anyways, that was chess boxing Ludwig's coolest event he's ever run. And I enjoyed the heck out of it. I, I want, I'm not
1: good at boxing or chess, but I want to do this now. He, um, he posted all the videos on his channel. If you want to, if you want to check it out, it was cool. I'm going to have to check it out. as of two minutes ago, I truly did not believe you that this was a sport because it sounds absolutely This ludicrous. is a sport outside of Ludwig, too. Like, this is a real sport. No, I, I looked it up while you were talking. <laughs> I saw that it's, it's a real sport. Anyone listening, this is, this is a real thing. Seth did not make it up. And <laughs> it sounds terrible. I want to hate it. But I kind of love it, though. It, no, it,
2: it, it, it seems super awesome. Like, it's the, the ultimate test of brain versus brawn. But you got to be both if you want to win as, at, at chess boxing.
0: As a person who watched chess boxing live, I feel like real boxing is way cooler <laughs> because oh, I just no. wanted to watch them hit each other. Like yeah. the chess games were intense at some points, but like every time the boxing match would end, you'd be like, ah, come on. Um, there what? were two guys who barely knew how to play chess and they both just timed themselves out every time. Like they were hyping up the crowd. Like <laughs> he would go to make a move and he would point at a piece and go, <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody, he would put his hand up to his ear and everybody would cheer and he'd go, Yeah, and he would move the piece, like, forward, and the whole crowd would cheer again. He'd be like, just because he did, just because he did, like, a quick, uh, a very, like, amateur move on the board and then the other guy started getting into it too where they they just wanted to hit each other and so it goes back to the other side and uh, at first the other guy was taking it seriously and then he starts doing the same thing and now they're
1: both just hyping up the crowd for like moving upon one space forward (laughs) the only sport I could think of where you actually get that opportunity to really hype up the crowd during the actual sport like imagine a basketball player that gets set up at the three-point line look oh three points should I do it should I take the shot that would be so sick (laughs) that would be fun
0: (laughs) i would like that um and then they also the first two cards that's the word i was looking for earlier the first two cards were actually um smash players and boxing so they did smash boxing so they did a a game of smash boxing a game of smash boxing and
1: it was awesome uh but the chess boxing was a little more fun i gotta say i what i really like about this sport is that it's actually making sub sports basically you just take chess and add it to anything and you're good to go
0: yeah, well or something and then boxing, which oh. I I love the idea of playing something and then doing boxing, like doing um a turn like a couple turns of Pokemon, like three turns of Pokemon and then boxing until it's the end of the Pokemon game or uh the end of the boxing. Like that just sounds fun. I could get behind that. Or like uh Magic the
1: Gathering boxing. Oh something like that. Like come on, it's so cool. But I what I really want is boxing or anything just super physical paired up with like something really stupid like doing a jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> just getting the <laughs> shit you have, you have, you have two you. minutes to put
0: as many pieces of this jigsaw puzzle together as possible and then you go back to boxing well, just think about it. you get knocked to the ground right you have
1: drool cut kind on of your face like go you have to well, run over to the table start piecing it's like regular
0: boxing but with the rest <laughs> periods or something entertaining oh my god <laughs> that's fair yeah
2: I mean the, the thing that I like about this idea though is the fact that you could have someone show up and just not look like a very good boxer And then you know win at the at the you know the other game, the the side event. I think that's it's entertaining at least. I don't know if uh, you know how many people
0: are actually training as chess boxers. Uh. (laughs) The hard thing too is because there's so much like head protection in the boxing, it wasn't that hard for a lot of them to stall the timer. I think this timer on the boxing either needed to be longer or um, whenever they pull the person to the side, the timer needs to stop because it didn't. So, if, like, someone gets hit and they're, like, stumbling, like, the ref pulls them to the side and starts counting, but all that time still counts. So, they're not there long enough to get three knockouts, ah. which is, like, cool. But, like, at that point, there's not enough. Their eyes needs to be more time on the boxing clock, or I think it should just pause. Be like, hey, I need to pause it when they move them to the side, only because, like, not many victories were happening through the boxing. It was coming down to a
1: timeout or a win there. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's a number of ways you can mix up the rules with that one. You might have to wait and let more people play it to see what I'm, happens. I'm sure you remember Disguised Toast, correct?
0: Yes, Disguised. Oh, I love him. He got hit in the balls. <gasps> yeah. uh, Point Crow, a very popular streamer who does a lot of speedruns and stuff. He um he was going for like two solid uppercuts, but Disguised Toast got within his box and he slammed him in the balls twice. It was like a hit, and then uh, like he went just up for it again without even looking, and slammed him right in the balls twice. And disguised toes falls down to one knee and looked at him. He's like, "What?" <laughs> he's all, <laughs> he looked like he was about to cry. Surely and, that's but, not legal. Yeah. No, it's not. Uh, so point crow got like a a penalty or whatever for it uh i actually don't even remember who ended up winning that one but they were like the main card at the end it was a cool event and that you know the whole reason that spurred this is because you before we started recording zach said what happened at the game awards and i think drew needs to hear this i did not see the game wars, so i don't actually know what happened I have to know. So the Game Awards was great, first of all. Um, this year, I think, is the best Game Awards we've gotten. You've seen me watch it multiple years in a row, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. it's typically been like a couple of announcements that are like, meh, you know, they're okay, and then like one or two hype things, but it's never been like good. You all, you've all you always seen me like burn out in the middle. like Kind of holding out for something good. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, come on, something good's got to happen. And, you know, most of the time I get really bored in these events, but I enjoyed watching almost the entirety of this one, uh, except for, mm. um, first of all, Al Pacino was there. Really? Um, (laughs) Al Pacino
2: was at the Game Awards. Did you not see it? No, I didn't watch the Game Awards. Oh my God. I think they're boring.
0: Christopher Judge. Yeah, so this year actually was a lot less boring because I also have found them boring in years past. I watch every gaming thing that happens. So um, no matter what, I was going to watch it. But Christopher Judge won Best Voice Actor for uh, Kratos in God of War Ragnarok. Oh. Um, Now, Al Pacino introduced Christopher Judge to get on stage. And. This isn't me saying anything against Christopher Judge, but he walks up, and now Al Pacino, you know, steps back to the side for a second, and Christopher Judge gives the a ten to twelve minute speech on the oh stage. Oh my gosh. Now this show was supposed to be two and a half hours. It ended up running over to three hours because you know it's um, Jeff Keeley uh, always has a lot of sponsors for this. He takes commercial breaks on stream, and um, it's it's normally a three hour show. And he was like, "It's going to be shorter this year, guys." It wasn't. Um, <laughs> it yeah, was three, it was 3 hours um and a lot of that can be in uh, because Christopher Judge took us so long with his speech and now i I was loving the speech for the first, like, two minutes, and then I had to pee, and I got up and left until it was over, <laughs> and then I was like, okay, cool, and now there's really funny shots of Al Pacino standing behind Christopher Judge waiting for his turn to talk again, and then he just walks off the stage because it was taking too long. <laughs> Al Pacino's in his 80s, yeah. Um, and so he that, that man had no clue where he was, like... <laughs> He was up there and he was like, "Yeah, video games, everybody!" And everybody's <laughs> cheering. It's like, "Yeah, video games!" And then um, he he literally at one point is staring at the teleprompter because it's hard to read it. And he goes, "Sorry, the teleprompter is just kind of far away, so it's hard to read." <laughs> and he says that on stage. It was very funny. It was nice to see him there. Um, also, Keegan Michael Key was there for the for the Mario movie trailer, oh, and gosh. it was the cringiest. Part of the entire no. show because they had like written jokes for these people to say and he went out there made a joke about how because he voices Toad in the new Mario movie um, and he he makes a joke as to why uh, Toad's head is not a hat it's a cap. Get it? Like a mushroom cap? Oh, that's, pre- uh, that's pretty good. That is good. It was bad. No, it <laughs> was no, pretty cool. bad. <laughs> it was not delivered well on the stage, and it was cringy dialogue. It was like, oh, you guys told Keegan-Michael Key to go out there and be him, and it did not work. Oh. Um, well, to so, be fair, I think Toad would be the least entertaining character to have at the Game Awards. So, and before we get to the drama... Um, there were some really cool announcements at the game of War- at game awards. Hades two was one of the first things that got dropped mm. and I almost shit my pants because super giant games is probably my second favorite developer right behind, um, insomniac and, or oh, I guess maybe third cause Sony Santa Monica is really good too. Um. Oh, man, and Naughty Dog. <laughs> <But> <laughs> There's a lot many. of good good studios out there. I, at the honestly, I think Supergiant has to be second favorite for me because their games like Bastion, Transistor, and Hades, which I played a lot of Hades last year, and it's one of my favorite games of all time. It might be like third or fourth up there with just best games of all time, in my opinion. Um, And they never do sequels. They have said uh, in past games, like, hey, we know these games were critically acclaimed, amazing, and we're not going to make second versions because we think the base game is like, as it should be, we like to move on to new things. Uh, so after Hades, I was like, man, this is just the perfect world. I love it so much. The gameplay is perfect. I want more of this. Can they at least do DLC? Because they've never done DLC either. Um, and I was like, man, I just hope they at least do DLC or something. And so we heard rumors that Supergiant was going to announce something new at the Game Awards, and I was not let down. Because they put out the coolest anime, like, animation for Hades 2, where it looks like Zagreus is his, like, daughter, or whatever oh. and it's a totally new storyline has nothing to do with like the old stuff as it looks and it's like um but it's the same gameplay that like we loved from the first one and you're playing like a, a basically like a female Zagreus. we don't know who it is yet um but the whole story you know like percy jackson you're going after chronos yeah you're going after Kronos, baby <gasps>
1: Ooh, nice that's a yeah. good mix-up from
0: hades i think yeah so i'm excited about it it looks awesome um and uh i think the the early access opens up this year
1: and i might just take part in it and just like do the early access and put in like the beta stuff and everything i was gonna say i'm surprised to hear you say that because i know it's a very repetitive game like you're supposed to beat it as many times as possible to get more story but to the same extent the whole thing's about the story like you said it's probably the same kind of gameplay and mechanics but with an entire new story like i'd like to know it had
0: such amazing gameplay like the way that it all like Loop together. It just felt so good every time to play it. And normally, I am a person who like needs a good story. They made a game with an amazing story to where you have to play it over and over again to get the story. Like, there's so many lines of dialogue in that that like you. Om- I almost. Ne- I don't think I ever heard something repeated. I
1: don't think so. Um,
0: except for like sometimes when the gods would pop up and they would say like, "Aha, nice to see you, Zag," and then you know they would give you their
1: gift and they would go off. But um, but if you're playing that game so many times in a row, I expect some of the characters have the same dialogue and they never did. But, but at the, at the very end, I would always try to walk into the very end whenever you either died or won at the very end. Cause it would come up with like a stupid reason of, Oh, uh, Zagreus fell on some flowers and he had allergies. So he died. And he yes. came back. <laughs> <laughs> Those are real things. Like it was like,
0: uh, as Zagreus ran across like a poisonous flower and died from an allergic reaction. It would say things like that when you would die. <laughs> this man killed a God
1: five minutes ago.
0: That's crazy. He, he just killed Hades, Lord of the Underworld, five minutes ago and died on the surface of an al- allergy infection. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Well, so for all the audience
2: at home, Zach's the only person who hasn't uh, really engaged with Hades. I want to so bad, I own it twice,
0: um, but I just haven't gotten around to it's it. It's worth it, dude. I, I loved every bit of that game. I still get the urge to go back and play more. It's probably... If not for games like Persona 5 and Mass Effect, uh, I would probably be my game that I would probably just sink t- tons and tons of hours into. And I think I would like it more than those games as well if those games didn't exist.
1: <laughs> so, was anything else really cool
0: announced beyond Hades There 2? There were some other cool things um, there. Uh, let me... I'll pull up the list really quick. There were... Let's see.
1: To be honest, Hades 2 was the only thing I had really heard about. As yeah. no one around me really watches the game awards beyond you guys and I hadn't talked to you since then. So, I really hadn't heard a whole lot about it, but people were pretty hyped about Hades 2. Yeah, um, and, and you know, just to touch
2: base on this again, uh, I did watch the new Mario movie trailer. Usually I don't watch movie trailers. Was it not
0: great? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Here's my thing. Okay, so <laughs> they're yes, yes, it looks really good. Um, Yes, I I love all the things about it, but really, if it weren't for just that one scene with Luigi, Charlie Day Luigi, oh my god, that's the best casting that I could have possibly imagined for Luigi. Like, no offense, Charles
0: Martinet, but but I want Charlie Day Luigi, and I want him all, all the time. So, From Software, makers of Dark Souls and Elden Ring did announce, so before... They um they made a game series on older consoles called Armored Core.
1: Okay. This okay. is
0: a mech-based uh, shooter game where you are, like, you know, flying around as a mech and, you know, shoot. It's cool It's shit. a mech game. Okay. Uh, and it was always, you know, kind of just bare bones in that way. But it was pretty cool. You know, mech games are a lot more about the customization, too, and making your cool mech rather than just the gameplay portion. It's also about, you know, everything before the gameplay. Um, so they announced Armored Core 6, and we know nothing about it. Except for the Armored Core 6 is coming. and um, It looked pretty cool. I mean, just like, the, all based on the trailer, and I'm just excited to see what this studio makes because I think they're going to bring in a ton of people who just don't really play games like this um, because they're from software.
2: Well, yeah, and, and so word on the street about Armored Core 6 is they're bringing in elements from they didn't say explicitly which games but they said their recent action titles
0: dodge rolls and probably similar like combat mechanics i would assume but there's definitely going to be like shooting mechanics and different abilities and stuff yeah uh,
2: so i'm definitely i'm i'm keeping an eye on it um, armored core was never like you know something that i was super interested in and i love from software but it's been a long time overdue and honestly i i love uh from software for their ability to make exactly the thing that no one wanted exactly <laughs> and then
0: and then everybody starts to love it
2: yeah i mean that was always their thing right demon like, souls exactly no no one played demon souls and no one really liked dark souls initially it just uh, randomly caught on overnight as like that game that you dare your friends to play because it's so fucking hard oh, no
1: that's a terrible so, reason to play i'll
0: run through a couple of our other announcements because we don't have a lot of details on a lot of these but ken levine creator of bioshock announced judas um, which is a more, like, sci-fi version of Bioshock, you know, guns and abilities. It looked okay, very okay. similar to other Bioshock games. Death Stranding 2, the craziest announcement we could have gotten. Now, Death Stranding is made by Hideo Kojima, who made all the Metal Gear games. Probably one of the most famous developers out there because of a lot of the drama that happened between him and Konami and the way he writes stories is insane. Like, his stories seem like they make no sense up front, and then you start diving in, and you're like, oh, man, this man's a genius. <laughs> um, so... Death Stranding Two. Also, he he titled it DS Two instead of Death Stranding Two, so it's like weird because that's definitely got to have some meaning in his games. Like he yeah. he literally told the audience when he was on stage, "Hey, make sure you dive into that trailer. There's a lot of secrets in it."
1: Basically, <gasps> well, maybe the reason um, he called it DS was because it's a DS exclusive.
0: We got Cyberpunk um, <laughs> Cyberpunk news for their for their DLC that's coming out, and Idris Elba is going to be playing a character in that, which is kind of cool. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order got uh show, showing a bunch of stuff cool, cool. Diablo 4 Street Fighter 6 Suicide Squad new trailer for that um the Mario Brothers thing I thought was really good I loved it um yeah perfect casting Bowser being Jack Black is also perfect Yeah yeah I, I, honestly that whole trailer was was perfect Anya Taylor-Joy as Peach is amazing Yeah uh everything's perfect except for one thing I wonder what that thing could well, be. Well, yeah, it's not controversial at all what that one thing could be. It's really not. Chris Pratt's a bad Mario. Oh. I mean, he's not, okay, he's not a bad Mario. He's just not a good Mario. Well,
2: I I will say it remains to be seen. I think Chris Pratt, you know, you throw him in anything, Lego movie, whatever, like he's that generic uh, white guy face that you can, you know, you, you place it on anything and you're like, you know, if you're if you're white like us, uh, then, then uh, you're like, oh, I, I relate to you. Um, but... Y- y- you know he he's
0: not he's not a me Mario. You know. Aww. Let's see. We also got uh, some Baldur's Gate three since we're in D and D area. The, let's see. Release window for that was announced. It's going to be August 2023 for the full release of Baldur's Gate three. Okay. Okay. I'll um, believe
2: it when I see it.
0: Uh, the trailer looked really good. You could see actually the uh, the Nautilus, the Spelljammer ship flying in from the sky because you know there's Spelljammer stuff in Baldur's Gate.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, which is crazy.
0: I think the the original trailer had some of that shit too with, yeah. with like mind flayers. It had a up. nautiloid because it's like mind flayers like come from space or whatever. Oh. Um, it's it's really cool, uh, and I actually might play this one because it looks really fun. Um, a new Transformers game was announced, which was really weird. Um, <laughs> That's fine, whatever. <clears throat> let's see. Other than that, there wasn't anything too too crazy. I'm trying to see if there's anything that I would possibly want to talk about. Vampire Survivors is on mobile. That's a very popular game, and there's a Castlevania. Um, cross in with Dead Cells, which is crazy. Dead Cells is this really impo- popular um, roguelike that is pretty difficult and it's 2D um, side scrolling, like Metroidvania ish. And um, yeah, they actually announced they're making Castlevania DLC for it, where you actually go into the castle and like delve into like 30 something new bosses from the series. Uh, very cool. The sh- and that was in the pre show for the Game Awards. So we were all like, what are we going to get at the show if this is, they're announcing this here. Um, so. We got pretty good announcements. It was fun. It was a great show, amazing pacing, and uh, I was very satisfied with it, except at the end... This So, uh, Elden Ring won Game of the Year. No surprise, I would say. That game is an absolute masterpiece. There was a lot of drama over God of War Ragnarok not winning. I've been playing God of War Ragnarok, and personally, I love it more than I loved Elden Ring. But I would say Elden Ring is the better game. Like, Mm. narrative-wise, because that's what I like games for, I like God of War Ragnarok more. And it would go higher on my list than Elden Ring for the year. But... Elden Ring's a better game. It's so good. Like, they got someone like me who's never finished a Souls game but's played a good bit of them and likes the battle mechanics and stuff to play through over 100 hours of one. Like, it's great. Um, so, Elden Ring won, and um, Miyazaki is up there giving his speech. You know, he, he has a translator, and notably... He's, it's supposed to be him and three of his developer guys walking up on stage. But a mysterious fifth figure makes his way up on stage with these men. This could have been horrible. This could have been, like, this man could have had a weapon and yeah. like, done something bad on stage to Miyazaki. And so, uh, notably also, Ludwig was sitting a few seats from Miyazaki, so he's just sitting there, like, photobombing the whole <laughs> thing. It was very funny. Uh, he also won Content Creator of the Year, so we've been talking about him a lot. He did oh, get Content Creator nice, of the Year. nice, nice. Um. Miyazaki's up there giving his speech and as soon as he finishes a mysterious figure a new challenger approaches the microphone a 15 year old kid walks up to the microphone and says alright alright my turn now Uh, now he he has some sort of accent I don't know where he's from Um, but it's like, it's my turn now. And Zach, do you remember the exact wording of what he said? Uh,
2: not exactly. Uh, but he he wanted to to thank a lot of people, including his uh, Reformed Orthodox yeah. uh, rabbi, Bill Clinton.
0: Yeah, he goes, Wh- I would like to nominate my uh, Reformed Orthodox rabbi, Bill Clinton, for this award or whatever. He says that on the microphone and then it cuts over to Jeff holding the mic and he's like, well, okay then. <laughs> and <laughs> and- then, Meanwhile, th- this
2: kid just... His confidence, right? Because no one's, like, you know, looking at him weird. He walks
0: up. He, like, pats, he pats one of the guys on the back. Yeah, he's he's basically, like, introducing the guys to the stage. He walks up right behind him and pats the developers on the back and walks up on stage with them. And he's dressed very similar. Like... Uh, he you can see though in the footage he's like checking the cameras to see um, if, if he's in frame and he kind of like slowly makes his way in the frame over and over again and then he got uh, notably taken out by security on well, you could see security approaching while he was talking and then they then the, and you hear on the mic like you got like you gotta go or like you're coming with or whatever and so they took him out he got arrested for the night I'm pretty sure there was no like big you know I mean, honestly... As far as I'm concerned, it's a it's a harmless prank. It's a harmless prank, yes, but, like, uh, it, it made me so angry. Because it, to, to no end, because the people I was watching at the time, the kind of funny guys, were like, well, that sucks. You know, it, it just sucks for, for guys like Miyazaki who worked hard on that. Uh, and, you know, they finally get up there, they get to say their stuff, and, you know, some kid just interrupts. I was like, I want him to go to jail Forever. <laughs> forever. <laughs> I I get it, but I it it doesn't deserve that, but I was I was visibly angry.
2: Yeah, you know, I'll I'll say as someone who just doesn't have a lot of reverence for the game awards, I'm like that that's really funny and I'm sure Miyazaki wasn't very bothered by it. He didn't it.
0: understand it. He barely speaks English.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, exactly, right? Uh he made an awesome game, he was recognized for it. Uh, and I mean, typically he doesn't even make like, you know, uh conference appearances either. So, yeah. th- I mean, I don't know. I don't know what was going on through his mind or how he feels about the situation, but um, but I think it's kind of funny.
0: Yeah, well, in, in my books, that man was a villain. Speaking of villains, uh, welcome to this episode of Table Talk Friday, where we have not talked about this yet, but we have a patron now, guys. We are officially in the market. We're making money on this show. We're being paid to do it now. This is our full-time job. <laughs> um, we're getting... We're getting... <laughs> We're getting paid to do it. Uh, good old gamer has uh, come on as a producer and we are going to be announcing him on the show. You too can be announced on the show if you head over to patreon.com slash table Friday now and you know line yourself up with a nice new spot as a producer on the show thank you good old gamer and we will be shouting you out for the future this week though we are talking about villains villains we've encountered villains we think about when it comes to dnd and just our experience with them overall so zach this was your topic idea so i assume you've got something to talk about <gasps>
2: yeah absolutely so uh Ooh, well, solid. I, you know i when you think about uh like villains in dnd really i i wanted an excuse to talk about um our current campaign, um, which uh, big shocker there, uh, Table Talk Friday, talking about their current campaign again. Who would have guessed? Uh, but uh, as any good D anD D player would, yeah, of course. Um, but what we're currently uh, dealing with is uh, what what Seth has titled the Descent into Nessus, um, where we uh, plan and, and will succeed uh, to uh, to kill Asmodius or Asmodeus, however you want to say it. I say yeah. Asmodius. Um, so it, our, our, uh, main campaign villain is, is Asmodeus and it, it just got me thinking, well, how, how do you, uh, pick, you know, when you're setting up your, your D and D campaign? Because I know Seth, you didn't pick Asmodeus. <laughs> I, <laughs> all
0: start. I knew when starting this campaign was that Zariel was the villain. Or Zariel, if that's what you want
1: to call her, because you know I, I go with Zariel. Don't, don't even do that. Don't so, even. Dedu- it it's Zariel. Some people do say Zariel. I can't. Um, I cannot fathom that after so many sessions knowing Zariel. We've met Zariel. She told us she's your name friend. was Zariel. I'm not so, gonna lie. Uh, I always pronounced
2: it Zariel. It's just everyone started saying Zariel, and I I switched.
0: I think it sounds cooler. Um, I agree.
2: I, uh, I'm 100 percent on the Zariel train, but I read it and said, "Oh, that says Zariel."
0: Yeah. So. I went into the campaign knowing, yeah, Zariel is the enemy. You know, turns out after forty-something sessions, you guys made friends with her, and um, <laughs> nobody likes Asmodeus. So, yeah, we're moving on to. The second leg of the campaign, I knew this was going to be a 1 to 20, when we, or a, a 3 to 20. I knew this was going to be a level 20 campaign when we started, because we said beforehand we want to go all the way. And so we were like, let's go all the way to level 20. You know, in the future, we'll probably do a 1 to 20. Hopefully with one d d maybe we'll do a 1 to 20, because it'll be like, hey, we really want to start at 1 and go all the way to 20. But I just find level 1 boring, so... We didn't do it this time, um, but we're going all the way to level 20, and who better to pick than the absolute just lord of the Nine Hells? Uh, this is history that hasn't been changed in a long time. There's a lot of stuff to go into when it comes to the Nine Hells, and a lot of stuff we haven't gotten in years as like far as like, revised versions of these so it gave me room to be a lot of very creative with each of the layers it lets me use supplements for third-party villains as well for the arch devils that are there um and it lets me give you guys insanely powerful allies to help out with this scenario because i want you guys to be insanely powerful like demigods basically but also i want you to have like gods on your side with it only because asmodeus is like an unfathomable thing to fight like, if you hear about the things that Asmodeus does or the things you guys have seen him do, like, turning a, like, a planetar, basically, into, like, an archdevil and, like, making her all-powerful to where she's a campaign boss, like, he has powers and stuff like that. He's got insane manipulation. Like, can you imagine if he tries to go into one of your minds? Zariel couldn't fight against it. Can you so like <laughs> Oswin cannot, I'll tell you, did right you guys, now. Have it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Thinking about that kind of stuff, this man is insanely manipulative. He has basically an infinite hit point pool. Like, how are you going to combat him? That's the fun part for me is like, Hey, I want to throw something in front of you guys. That's like, this man hates us and is bothering us with basically his jump change. We're going to take him down. And it's interesting because the tides have turned so much at this point, And you guys have made allies to where it's like, Oh man, this is kind of feasible now.
1: You know, it's kind of crazy to hear about this right now because we have never met Asmodeus, right? We we haven't seen him in person besides like a little memory thing that we had going on, right? But for the longest time, all I've been thinking about is this descent into Nessus, right? This, this next level of our adventure that we're going on that I, I honestly, I don't know if all of us are going to make it through. I very much expect someone to die. And I'm thinking this whole time like, oh, this is going to be so stressful. It's going to be so hard. We've been spending all this time gearing up. I... I, till this moment, I haven't thought about actually fighting Asmodius because I've been thinking about everything in between first. This is terrifying.
2: No, I, I, <laughs> I think it's going to be impossible, and I think uh, there there is definitely going to be some casualties involved uh, because th- 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 there aren't even stats for Asmodius out there, and I think the reason why is they don't want to to give him a number. Like th- he is this cosmic force. That, uh, he he's the biggest, baddest villain that you can imagine. You know, like it, it, it's no uh, stretch to say. I mean, he's he's just Satan. You know, Satan from the Bible. <laughs> that that's uh, that's Asmodeus in D anD D. So, uh, really, I, I feel like y- you couldn't have picked if you tried
0: a bigger, scarier villain <laughs> for, and that's, for us to be fighting. That is how I wanted this campaign to feel too. This was our hell campaign, right? Like. Let's end with fighting Asmodeus, and it's going to turn the tides of, like, literally the entire, you know, realm, all the all the different dimensions and realms that are out there, this, like, this fight that you guys eventually have with him, if you, if you make it there, but this fight you eventually have with him is going to be insane, I've thought of a couple of things that are going to make it, like, different, like, it's going to be combat, like, obviously, and it's probably going to be a long combat, a very, very long combat, but... At the same time, I thought of some ways to add stuff in, um, especially related to your specific characters, where I was like, this, I don't know if we can have a better party for fighting Asmodeus. That's all I got to say. Are you sure? Yes. Because <laughs> you don't think w- we
2: need a paladin or, you know, anyone? <laughs> <Anybody> <laughs> no. Else? Th- Someone to help us with our
0: saving throws? <laughs> that no, that, that sucks. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, it will. But you guys are a heavy control party. Like You can control your rolls pretty well. Um, As as well as there are a number of different abilities that you guys have innately that I'm like, oh, because of knowing the kind of guy that Asmodeus is, I'm probably going to have to like kind of feed each of your characters like some information that only they would know uh, when it comes down to this moment for their specific like skill sets. And then, you know, have you guys kind of take your like character actions at some point to like do your thing because there are a lot of things adding up here to where it's like. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Asmodeus is like an impossible guy to fight. That's why you're teamed up with like gods and stuff. Yeah. Um, but there is plenty of stuff that makes it possible to take him down. And I'm excited to get there. So uh, zooming out from from Asmodeus and, and just sort
2: of talking uh, a little bit more broadly. We're all DMs here. Um, when you are envisioning the big bad guy of your campaign, what what are you uh, sort of drawn to? So Seth, I know we've done we've done Asmodeus, and of course we ran through Storm King's Thunder before, and, and uh, in that campaign the the big bad is sort of uh, given out to you. Also, and it's a twist though. Oh, a- absolutely. So we won't spoil it here, but uh, still a uh, you know a very high CR, big powerful creature. But I don't think that all villains have to necessarily be uh, you know level twenty party material. Uh, a great example, uh, probably the the most or one of the most iconic D anD D villains at this point. Um, Vecna might have uh, edged him out just a little bit because of all that uh, that good PR. Um, but uh, Strahd von Zarovich, mm-hmm. uh, Dracula as Dracula, uh, he's only a CR fifteen <laughs> creature. <laughs> Is he really? Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, I thought he was way stronger than that. No, well, he's a...
2: I, no, we kicked his ass, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's definitely a force to be reckoned with without um, the things that you had that you had. Yeah. Um, but uh, th- there are ways to create a uh, a force that exists in this world um, that, that intimidates your players and, you know, w- without the the prestige of, yeah, this guy's a CR 30 plus uh, <laughs> creature that yeah, you're fighting. Yeah, for sure. Um I, I think, personally, um, just to to start us off and, uh, answer my own question, um, I'm definitely drawn to characters with, uh, obviously there's, there's gotta be a thing about them, so, like, what's their shtick, uh, Strahd, obviously, he's Dracula, As Dracula, he's got his, you know, his goals and his motivations, uh, you know, he wants, uh, the, the thing that he covets, uh, being spoiler light for, for Drew, um. But, you know, you think about other iconic D&D villains, uh, a Sererac. He's a lich, and he's all about the treasure. He's got his big treasure hoard in his tomb. He says, hey, come get it, fuckers. And that's his, you know, uh, there's always a thing. So you want a villain with a thing. But um, I think I I like a villain with, like, an exploitable thing. So mm. you, you think about um, level range that your party's going to be at, right? Um, and then you think okay well let me make a character who who's intimidating who has some power over the characters but who isn't necessarily uh you know the 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 CR 30 world ending combat because you're not always going to get to 20th level uh so w- how can i uh take this idea of all right well obviously he's a vampire so uh spoiler alert drew he is weak to sunlight and all <gasps> the things the vampires are weak to so how do we and how clerics, do we, yeah, <laughs> and also clerics. weak to clerics. So how do we take those things away from the party and then grant them in the right moment to you know to give them the the edge when they need them? Or say uh, we want to create a a villain that uh, you know he's the the leader of this secret organization or whatever. Maybe the guy himself isn't all that great at combat, but the thing that he uh, controls and what makes him scary for the party is uh, the connections that he has, and you know he's so elusive that you always hear about him. Uh, And you might have even met him before, but you don't know who he is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things like that. Um, Mahadi. Exactly. Mahadi. Uh, You know, a a Rakshasa who, you know, uh, wears a million faces and you never know uh, when you're talking to him or, uh, you know. Mahadi has
0: been one of my favorite villains to run so far because he's weaker than you guys. Like, that's not a secret. Yeah, significantly. But. Because he holds so much prestige in Avernus, he's always got his lackeys behind him, you know? But if you ever caught this man by himself, he'd be dead in an instant.
1: That's the problem. He has too many minions, though. I don't like it. Because he, he's he's like a big bluff is what he is. He's getting all over our face like, oh, I could I could steal your friends. I could do all this stuff. There's nothing you could do. But as soon as they're gone, dude, we can one you one him. We like, remember last him.
0: time you guys um, fought him, he had all those stick sprayers and stuff around. The Ooh. first time you guys fought him, um, he summoned up a couple of enemies for you guys to fight and then fled. And then this past time, uh, you guys kind of fled from him cause he had such an army with him. But like, again, you guys did a number on him pretty quickly. Like he could have died there very well if, if you had all focused fire the entire time, but also then you would have been, you know, kind of screwed and Hikili would have died. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, but it would have been possible to kill him right there. Like if you just focus fire on him. So
1: I want to, based off just the things he says and the way he gets in our face. I just want oh, he gets in your face so bad. He's cocky,
0: he's confident. He um, captured your friend and didn't even like do his mission with him. He just kept him like just to taunt you. Like, yeah, he's he he's a cool villain to have because it's like again, you guys are level fifteen. You can kill him easy. Yeah, so maybe a a desirable trait of a villain
2: is their their slipperiness because yeah, yeah, you definitely Mm. want. Uh, to to know about a villain for a significant period of time, or you want your players to, um, so that they can grow to hate him. And uh, boy, I don't know any character that I want to kill more than Mahati because he always, you know, th- there's always something that lets him get away. You know, it's the the circumstances that we find him. Oh, he teleports away. Okay, fine. Uh, th- this time he he was in disguise, or you know, he was too powerful at the time. But we met him before, and we know he's an asshole. Um, you know, th- just th- there's that. That element of it, where if you want to have like a, a hard-hitting villain, you you definitely want them to show up more uh, more times than just the end, which uh, you know we we've seen in all of our uh, our favorite villains, Asmodeus included, uh, showing up in the different forms that he has, and also learning his whole backstory, uh, you know, way before we even considered him our problem, yeah,
0: <laughs> which was not planned. Again, that was just something that happens in the campaign and is um. In the, the Alexandrian version of, like, the revised Descent into Avernus, like, they write big excerpts that I got to take you guys through, like, memory sequences, which were really cool for me to, one, learn the history of hell, and then, two, like, build up this villain over the course of, like, a year and a half until, like, you guys knew him well, and then flip it on its head to where now he is the villain, you know? Yeah, exactly. So so you want that familiarity, and the best way to to achieve
2: that is by giving your villain an exit button. Uh, whatever it is. Uh, you know, night hags, they have plane shifts. Uh, if, if you want to get that low level with it.
0: Right. And you guys actually, in your our first campaign, Storm King's Thunder, um, with the villain there, met versions and or like um, g- were spoken to by the villain a couple times without knowing who they were or their name. You just heard legends. You knew some things about this person. And then whenever the reveal came and the name was said, you guys were like, oh, and they're in this room? That that was a big moment where it was like, oh my gosh, really? And then, yeah, it flipped on its head and it was like all this time leading up to this, these little things have led to that where it's like, okay, so we went against this person's children and then we spoke to them whenever they spoke to us here for killing their child. And then, yeah, everything uh... went came
1: all the way around where it was like, oh, and they hate us. <laughs> See, I kind of like that that hidden quality, though, where, you know, we, we, we did kind of meet Imreth beforehand like the big or yeah we'll we'll, we'll say that um we did meet the big bad at some point well and that uh, wasn't official
0: stuff either normally you don't meet the villain like you don't meet her until perfect okay until the moment like it gets revealed
1: so it, it came to a point where we did meet her and that's insane that moment of of fear and almost hopelessness of she's literally right in front of us not knowing necessarily where a villain is or what they're capable of right off the bat is absolutely terrifying i feel similar with Asmodius right now because i don't know what he could like obviously we've heard the lore but i've never seen him do anything right it, it's it's horrible to hear but i don't know and i guess going on like a oh, really good example um not a D villain but it makes me think gus fring right you know breaking gus bad. you know gus fring from breaking bad right you know who he is but you don't know who he is Right when you meet him, you don't know what he's capable of at all. This man, one minute serving you chicken, next minute dead, like dead. This guy is <laughs> crazy. I I love the idea of like the personality kind of being suppressed behind the scenes, or or being afraid of what the villain actually is. It's very very neat, and it's it's a much more interesting take than like. Here's the villain session one you're gonna fight them 30 sessions from now yeah
0: like they're unpredictable you don't know what's going on in their head which was I think is a cool quality too that you can bring into a villain of being like okay do they like us or do they not or are they like are they friendly or are they not what's going on in their head I don't really get it
2: yeah and I think Gus is a good example of of a good you know the kind of villain that a DM can pull off really well because you know he's very put together he's you know the the kind of person that gives off the impression that he's three steps ahead of you. As the DM, it is fully within your purview uh, to, to make sure that the, the big, bad, evil guy is three steps ahead of your party, you, you know, where appropriate. That they have scrying, they have spies, they have, you know, X amount of things uh, always, you know, checking in on the players and, and seeing, or, you know, the characters seeing what they're doing. Uh, you can easily uh, orchestrate that to, you know, at the moment that uh, your your players thought that, yep, we we found the guy's hideout. We know exactly where he is. We're just going to get the thing and go. He was uh, expecting that, and then all of a sudden you're force caged and cloud killed. Now you're trapped in a, <laughs> a force cage full of poo gas, and you're all choking <laughs> on it and dying. Poo gas. And it's all your own fault.
1: <laughs> is that Mahadi's ultimate poo gas? Yeah, probably.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's insane to think about, like some of the villains that we've come across in the past who just felt like astronomical like forces. Drew, you've talked to me through your hags. Like you, oh. he, Drew is a very big fan of hags, and so he has this trio of hags that he wrote a while back that are just like, they're really cool.
1: <laughs> you want to go ahead? It's just the the idea that they could be so deceitful and in-your-face, but not in-your-face at the same time. The, the idea of running a villain that's so like, indirectly in charge of everything, right? So I guess you could use this for an example, right? He's in charge of all this stuff that you're seeing. You're in hell. You see all these devils. You see all these demons. But where is he at? What What is he actively doing right now? You have no idea. And so my idea for the campaign that I've talked about before with these hags is just that these hags are, are running your campaign, essentially. Everything you're interacting with, the the towns or the, or the people, the NPCs, they're often these hags just shape-shifted or... The hags have taken over people and hexed them to say things to you and, and or even taken over like a leadership role in the town that you're in. So you think that these people are doing your favors and they're giving you nice quests where you could be getting good rewards, but in reality they're just sending you on suicide missions, right? The the idea that the villain is always there, but there's nothing you can do about it is absolutely terrible. I think I always think back, and I I'm surprised it doesn't come up more than some of our previous campaigns. The moment when we were in hell and we were in this, uh, like this pit, this fighting ring, basically, and we're sitting there and we hear this booming voice and we find out Zariel's here, right? I remember within five seconds, a bunch of us were hiding behind the bleachers. Five minutes ago, we were like, we can 1v1 this guy, we're gonna take it. Immediately, laying prone behind the bleachers like guys what are we doing we gotta gas teleport right now what are we supposed to do also something that is not in the module I just wanted to introduce the villain yeah
2: and, and way to you know just suck all of the the, the bravado out of our sails because you said there's a tournament going on oh we're gonna go kick their asses we're you know we we had so much success recently Yeah, uh, barring the the Wild that uh, we've covered mm-hmm. before uh, mm-hmm. look back to the the Holder episode to see well, what happened talking. there Talk about but, that but anyway, uh, we were very confident in our, you know, the power of our characters, and we thought, uh, just send Nuth in there; he'll he'll beat whoever. It'll be easy. You know, Oswin'll even go in, and uh, I'll go beat uh, Mickey, Mickey the Flesh Golem. That's easy. Uh, but the second Zariel touches down, all of our tails go right between our legs. <laughs> we're like, how do we get out of here? <laughs> and uh, you, you even, you know, relished in the moment of okay. Well, uh, just just to get my point across, and also to give you boys time to figure out what you're going to do, uh, Zariel's just going to dress nuth down right here, and BAM! Two attacks, and he's down to zero. <laughs> Ooh, boy.
1: <laughs> and Nuth is not any ordinary character. This is essentially the, the mascot leader of our party at this point. This rune knight fighter bugbear monstrosity. He, he once manually hung a man with his arms, right? Yeah. This... This man is an entire monster. He's a class on his own. This man is a class, right? Immediately whomped on. Two hits. Yeah, two hits down. What are you supposed to do at that point? You feel absolutely hopeless, <laughs> yeah, absolutely he is lost. your frontliner.
0: That is your front That's line. it. We Go have on. no other
1: frontliners. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm glad we get out of there, but that was a great, great villain moment right there. Just, yeah. just the absolute emptiness you feel for about 30 seconds is, oh, I love it. Because that
0: was about the point where you guys had made a name for yourselves in hell. And it was like, you know, things with Mahadi had gone sour, and then you guys, uh, you know, made amends with certain people, you made your way into this arena, like, oh yeah, we know we need to go here for something, and then the villain shows up, like, hey, I know you guys got stuff going on, but I'm looking for these guys, and I know
1: they're around here somewhere. That's how you know it's a good villain, though, when you completely 180. We have this prestige, right? Where We're like, yeah, we're, the- we're Lulu and the Fuzzy Bunch, we can handle this, and... Oh, you're looking for the Lulu... No, Lulu left five minutes ago. Different Lulu. (laughs) It's completely different disguises here. We're just... We're cosplaying, actually.
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, Crazy stuff. And as well as... I remember in our first, like, one to five that we did, being terrified of the glass staff. Like, terrified of him. And then it turns out that he's just a low-level mage with, like, 40 hit points. He
2: was, like... uh, Not even 40 hit points. He was, like, a CR2... He had up to second-level spells. Uh, he that was had the hardest villain we have scroll. ever fought. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> he killed uh, me and uh, our, our good buddy, Eric. Uh, I can't think of an Eric for him right now. But Eric, uh, Eric. his character, too, in the same combat. He killed me with Magic Missile, and I thought it was... Well, we were second-level. To be fair, it was a very dangerous ability. There was no way to stop it uh, for my paladin, so I just Ooh. died instantly. But, um... But boy, howdy! We thought the most of him, and then <laughs> he shows up, uh, however many sessions later, and uh, our assassin rogue just kills him in one hit. And we're like, "Oh, yeah, that's the glass staff.
0: You killed that's the, it? the old we big boss in so, one shot." Long story short, there were two different campaigns going on in the same universe, and uh, the the rogue in that party they ran across the glass
1: staff and they killed him in one shot.
0: Yeah, they, they were they well killed at multiple that point. of our
1: characters. That's insane. What a good intro to your group, though, right? Like, oh, you guys struggled with him? Yeah, I just stabbed him. Yeah, and then we continued to womp on them.
2: Yeah, well, actually, actually, actually. So uh, the character that killed him, Varkin, was with our party initially, but then he dropped out because Zach's brother Eric was playing his character and and he got kind of busy. But uh, then he came back and and joined up with this other campaign. uh, And then later, of course, we did the convergence where both our parties uh, fought, basically. Um, we, we just competed in this, uh, what it uh, I don't know. I haven't seen Naruto, but I hear it was like the tuning exams
0: from Naruto. <laughs> it was. It was very much like the tuning exams from Naruto. Um, as far as like upcoming villains, if you guys had to come up with something like this, what's something you want to fight? Like a villain that you're like, you know, that seems really cool.
2: Well, it, we haven't fought a lich, like a lich-ass lich. Um, and I <laughs> feel like, lich. and, and to be fair, we haven't really fought a, uh, like, a, uh, or not necessarily human, but, like, you know, just the, the big, bad, evil wizard. Um, th- those are uh, tropes that we've escaped. Most of our villains have been... I mean, I, I guess Strahd is kind of the big, bad, evil wizard in a way. Um, but uh, most of our villains have been, like, you know, big, larger-than-life uh, creatures. So I feel like that's probably the the one uh, element of D&D or, uh, like, of a D&D villain that I haven't experienced in a long-term campaign is... What's like the more human character
0: like? And uh, well, to be fair, we've had villains that are that are that at lower levels. Oh, we just haven't yeah, had yeah. you know big bads. That yeah, are yeah like exactly. That. I,
2: I, you know, I'm picturing uh, Hallister Black, whatever his yeah, name. Hallister is. Black Cloak. Black Cloak. Yeah, uh, the the Mad Mage. Uh, you know the one, or you know uh, Vecna, which you know he's more than a lich. He's a god. But same same deal. A Sararak. We haven't dealt with him. Um, I, I would like to deal with a big, bad, powerful wizard um, not as the DM <laughs> because that's that's the one thing. I feel like uh, in in prepping, even for for just Strad uh, with uh, the amount of spells that he had, uh, you know, I kept looking up advice for, okay, what are all the things you can do? And there's just so much theory crafting that goes into, well, you could feasibly use these spells and these spells and you could do all this broken ass shit. And I think, wow, that's great. But how do I uh, make this palatable to my players?
0: <laughs> and, and, you know,
2: how do I pull this shit out in a way that uh, that makes sense?
0: You but let I, them kill him in like two turns.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, that's not what I wanted to do either. It's just sort of how it happened. <laughs> but... but uh, I, as a player, I really want to face this forty chess motherfucker who's you know anticipated all of our moves and you know at the at the start of combat he casts time stop and we're already fucked uh, and you, you know just just whatever that looks like I I really want to face the big uh, lich and I want to kill him and I want to not be able to find his phylactery and have him come back and you know I want that to be the the thing um, so we haven't dealt with that yet I feel like. That's probably you know as far as iconic villains go, um, that's on my bucket list.
1: I would love to to face like a big deal wizard. Beyond, we did actually fight one in uh, in Storm Kings that meteor swarmed us uh, in the beginning of the fight. That was that was rough, right? But I wonder if the uh, the reason we don't see more like just awful big bad wizards is because they're very difficult to to set up as a DM, right? I played a. I think it's just
0: because it's overdone.
1: <laughs> well, too. maybe so, but it's it's difficult to pull off. I, I ran a, a hag or two a uh, very long time ago, and I made the mistake of just not giving them enough minions, and my players just steamrolled it, and I was like, wow, you know, these these hags, they had really good, uh, really good DC saves, and I expected them to fail all these things, and be incapacitated, and be restrained in all these different ways, and they kind of just yeah (laughs) just flattened them out so it is difficult to do those kinds of casters um but that's actually the reason i want to face something very specific we've we fought a lot of things and one of the only things i i think we haven't truly fought and what i what comes to mind here is a titan we have fought the dawn titan in storm kings Uh, a very large elemental he was in he was armored with all this like black steel army had a laser yeah
2: it was actually the van
1: Oh, um, yes, he was inside of a machine. I'm sorry, yeah, but yeah. either way, this is Powered was, by
2: the Dawn Titan.
1: But an actual Titan regardless.
2: Uh, absolutely.
1: When I say Titan, though, I don't want to fight, you know... I imagine Asmodeus is, like, perhaps normal size, maybe a little larger than life, but he's got all of this power, kind of like like a god in, like, God of War. Very normal sized, but they have all of these powers, these things they could do, right? Or at least the newer ones, anyway. What I want to fight is something that is so unfathomably large that there's you have to find an unconventional way to fight them. I want to fight a mountain elemental titan that we're walking on its back when it spawns, right? When it stands up and you're just all of you and your horse and your wagon, maybe the shed that you're in is on its shoulder. How do you fight that?
0: See, that's the fun. <laughs> that's
1: the fun part. You have to. You can't shoot it like normal. You can't you know, you use a crossbow. Earth. I mean, now you're yeah. talking
0: about a terrasque. Um, well, yes, want to A, fight tarrasque. a, tarrasque. a tarrasque would be very but cool. If something is that unfathomably large, I'm like, well, how do you fight it, though? Like, yeah, uh,
2: uh, I'll say I, I love that idea as well, and that's exactly the kind of thing that I want to run into too. But I, uh, I feel like that's that. The that terrain, sort of,
0: that's the terrain that your wizard controls.
2: Or, or yeah yeah exactly Ooh. like that's that's the tool like the, exactly the, these yeah. big ass monsters like the, the astral dreadnought what a cool fucking monster but it, ultimately it's it's like this big I, I don't know how smart they are but uh, you know the, for the purpose of, of this argument the big uh, big mindless thing uh, for some evil power to control uh, just the m- mindless. Un untethered energy. I mean, it could be the final boss. The Tarask is a perfect final boss, but there's got to be someone you know, but behind the madness, turning the gears, mi- unleashing this thing. So that's true. That's true. Or, or so what? That's what makes you know villains like uh, like Asmodius, for instance. Uh, you know, I'm sure he is human size, but he could get huge if he wants to. Or you know, a kraken, um, where they're both intelligent, or you know, ancient dragon Tiamat. Yeah, you know, pick your poison. These huge ass creatures with intelligence, now that's that's really that's really something. But at the same time, I agree. I really want that imagery of, you know, the shadow of the colossus. That thing is fucking huge. How do we fight it?
0: <laughs> yeah, I I want to fight I want you guys to fight something like that too. Not only that. I actually have this thing in my head that I've been wanting to do for a long time. We just haven't had a chance to do this moment where like you're in like a city or something like that. Like a city. You know, we'll go with this. You're in Waterdeep. Hanging out. Just doing your thing. And all of a sudden, you hear a loud, like, crash from somewhere off in the distance. You look off towards the northeast, and the entire northeast section of the wall has come down. What's happening? Some gigantic evil thing is just chaotically evil, like, walking into the city ready to take everything down. You have to save people in the city, you have to stop this thing, and you have to prevent as many casualties as possible along the way. That, uh, not that exactly, but that,
2: almost exactly, is how I wanted to open my, my fully homebrew campaign. Really? Yeah, I was gonna start you guys in like a like a small uh, fishing village and uh, cyclopses were going to Ooh. come out of the ocean because it's I It's actually li- Cyclops' eye. Yeah, well, I like I like uh, <laughs> water-based cyclops because um, that's, that's how they are in Greek mythology. I wanted them to come out oh. of the water uh, and just start wreaking havoc and then you, first-level adventurers, you have to figure out what the fuck to do because you're not gonna be able to kill these cyclops but uh, you gotta... You got to get out of there.
1: That's insanely cool. I love the idea of just the, the whole town you're in being ravaged and there's nothing you could do about it. The idea that you're as these level one, level two adventurers just saving as many people as possible, running into like the burning building like we did in, in Storm Kings in the beginning, trying to save this little kid. The tree had fallen or the, the top floor had fallen on him. That was very cool. Very heroic feeling in in a giant situation. that You can't control anyway. Right. It feels. uh, and It almost makes you feel Spider-Man for some reason. I don't know why. Very like underdog heroes. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, uh, the post nine eleven hero is what we call it. Oh no, <laughs> the, the um, you know the the natural or maybe not so natural disaster hero. Or, yeah, you know, you're, yeah. You're on the you're on the ground. You're you're fighting the good fight. Uh, <sighs> Spider Man's pulling buildings together, things like that.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ yeah there's I, so
1: many cool ways to make villains we gotta we should do like a, a villain generation session and we just make up cool villains yeah
0: like we we sit down and like just make up a villain
1: yeah that would be well, fun they have because they have books i know you've you've bought one where they have just big old books of npcs that are really cool you could scroll through and you could you could pick one that you like and put it in your game i have a giant book over there of just all different kinds of like dragons that um, could dragons. be it's legendary
0: dragons like these are legendary villains that you can add into your campaign. It's a it's a book they just came out with. The same guys who made like the NPCs and stuff, and it's it's a killer book. <laughs> Let me tell you, I've read through a lot of the villains in there. Oh my god, you could run campaigns around each of these. Like you've got an endless supply of just cool draconic villains to go through.
1: <sighs> it's, See, I may or
0: may not be using one too.
1: <gasps> did we kill one yet? No. Mm. No, you'll know. You'll know. <laughs> I'm shooting Zach nervous glances (laughs) out of the corner of my eye here i don't know what
2: it is man (laughs) we'll see
1: Uh, do you really now do you really need more though because we already have this archdevil thing going on it's kind of a lot you know we're kind of busy yeah do you really need another dragon oh yeah it's gonna be great (laughs) (sighs) okay i'll i guess i guess i'll take it I'll, i'll it'll be fine so
2: uh i have a question for everyone, um, and it's really just because I want to say my answer to this question, but I'm going to pose it as a question. Go ahead. Then, uh, so, uh, as far as like iconic D D villains, uh, are there any that you know you either want to run into as a player, or that like you know they're
0: on your bucket list to DM at some point? I want to DM Tiamat. Like, a hundred percent. Yeah, I want Tiamat to be a huge presence in a campaign. I've already... I know a lot about her. I've got a great voice for her that you guys have heard before that, like, I felt like was very, very good for one of her many voices she could have, um, as well as I know a lot about her. Uh, there's new campaigns coming out with information for her all the time, and yeah, I want to run Tiamat, and I want it to be awesome.
1: I don't think I have a specific villain that I want to run into more than Tiamat, to be perfectly honest, but I love the idea currently, and I'm so it's something I'm dabbling in and have dabbled in before. I love the idea of just running into or running them personally just absurdly stupid silly villains right just santa claus right 14th level adventurers fighting santa claus sounds incredible running tiamat as like there's a couple of dragons but they're all they all have blue eyes and they all transform and an ultimate summon the blue eyes white dragon ultimate blue eyes white dragon but it's actually just tiamat <laughs> you know that's just funny. I think just really stupid crap is hilarious. And it's not something you get to do all the time. It's equivalent to running into Team at, running into the king of, of the fire giants or, or like the, the king of some underwater Atlantis city, right? It's just, it's very, very out there. It's not something you get to see a lot. And you get so much creativity with it. You don't have to follow any, any lore or, or, or modules. You could just do whatever you want. So something just outlandishly silly, I would love to run into that at any given time.
2: Now I'm just imagining, uh, and I don't know how to do it, um, but I, I want to throw Dr. Doofenshmirtz <laughs> as, a, as a, you know, uh, an encounter at some point or another.
1: He's actually, it, similar to the whole wizard controlling the Titan thing, it's actually just him, but he's controlling like, this death ray that just follows you throughout the entire campaign. You have, yeah, the, always have to worry about the sirens of this laser coming down and turning you into like a plant. The problem is you have to have a, a really good Doofenshmirtz voice. To
0: convincingly write And you have pictures. to write an oh. extraordinarily long speech about your device.
2: Oh, of course. <laughs> so, like,
0: they walk in here like, oh, it is my world destruction tv a And you're going to look into it. And it's going to do this. And it's going to do that. And then uh, you go on and on and on. And then inevitably Patrick or Sean are like, I shoot him. And then <laughs> you guys shoot it and he either blocks or it misses or like it hits. And he's like, hey, hey, I wasn't done yet. I like, haven't even <laughs> told you my, uh, t- uh, my genius backstory about... Uh, when
3: i was a young
0: german and boy. everybody gets <laughs> thrown into a memory dime
1: and then and like i pull out a guitar and start singing him. yeah exactly
2: whoa
1: <laughs> we haven't broken out into song and
0: have we have we ever broken into song i have thought many times about writing a song for a session and then like sitting down and you know pulling out the guitar when you guys run into a bard and having him sing something to you oh you sure oh. should do it i
1: haven't i would love it <laughs> See, I want to run to that. I want to run to a singing villain. That's a good one right there. I no, don't know what kind of bar to be. I want to do that one.
2: Oh. the Pied Piper from <gasps>
1: Shrek Four. <laughs> Great. What a, what a good and classic villain there. Can't yeah, wait well, to run into him. Yeah. Do you all not recall
2: uh, his power in Shrek Four? No, no. Uh, I I think what there's the irresistible dance spell. Uh, that's <gasps> pretty much his thing. Um, where oh. he just he possesses everyone uh and they they cannot stop dancing against their will so. until they die yeah that is something pretty powerful. like that. yeah i mean it, it is pretty powerful and as far as i can tell there's not a saving throw for it so
0: now Ooh. this is off topic do you know that's happened to real people what what do you yeah, mean like uh, stop dancing dancing until you're dead yeah
2: yeah like uh what mass hysteria yeah it's a mass hysteria things. type deal
0: so like in the past, this has actually happened to people where they've started dancing in a crowd. Like, one person's just dancing for a really long time, and it's going, and real people have just danced until they died.
1: Why didn't they stop?
0: They, whatever. Something in their brain. Yeah, like, it, it, it wasn't just one person. It was, like,
2: you know, a whole group of people that kept dancing and did not stop dancing even, you know, past physical exhaustion and, you know uh wearing the, uh, this is all hearsay as far as i know th- like this is recorded in the middle ages so it could just be some bullshit um no it's real but i've decided i mean I, I i'm pretty sure there are reputable sources that you know uh that have have info on this but take that, it with a grain of salt oh, i didn't like google a it pasta
1: stuff is what it's like really really creepy yeah it is creepy oh oh but, random inspiration there there that spell you were talking about the uh the the res- is that autos irresistible stand irresistible auto luke's jig? We'll call it that. Why Maybe. not? Maybe, but that I love the idea of a group of wizards that are performing like you know unethical experiments as they do you know, and all of them just save up their spell slots and for like a week just make someone keep dancing. That would be crazy. That's they just just, start taking exhaustion points.
2: You're just thinking about the uh, the Russian sleep experiment, creepy pasta. <gasps> yeah, that's what that's, it, what, that's <laughs> what I'm thinking of. Oh, that's so creepy. <laughs> oh, be, okay. a good, uh, be a good, be a good situation to throw into D D. Uh Slender Man, I'm sure you could Slender Man your D, but I think his time's come and gone. Um My villain that I want to run, uh just to get back to that question, uh was Lord Soth from Dragonlance. Yeah. The Death Knight. I don't know that much about him, but he's a Death Knight and <laughs> yeah, It's <laughs> really enough. cool. If there's yeah, if there's one thing that uh that instantly I'm drawn to it's nights,
0: and if I can make one into a villain, I, I will I will do it. I mean, it seems like we just have to play in Dragonlance for a while then because my villain is in Dragonlance and your villain is in Dragonlance. There you go.
1: I do want to try it out. I've I've heard very, very little about it, but I think it, it has come out of this place. Yeah, it's out. Ooh. I'm gonna have to snag it for Christmas then. Maybe a little Santa present.
0: Yeah, the thing is, like there's there is a campaign in it as
1: well. So just don't read the campaign, because I kind of want to run it at some point, because it's about Tiamat. So what I'll do is I'll look up online, where is the campaign section, and I'll tear that out of the book, and I'll the only read the rest of it. The campaign is called Shadow of the Dragon Queen, so that's not a spoiler, idiots. Uh,
2: aren't there uh, <laughs> two separate books, maybe? No. No, it's oh. just Dragonlance, it's Dragon Shadow Lance, of the Dragon Queen. It's Dragonlance, Shadow of Queen. the Dragon Queen. Okay. Yeah, so
0: it's a campaign based around that run in Dragonlance, with you know obviously more information on Dragonlance in it, but I assume it's going to be kind of like Spelljammer, where it's a lot of a lot of it is just like barebone stuff for Dragonlance and one storyline in that area where it's not like fully fleshed out um because I know it's a story not told in previous Dragonlance stuff so it doesn't have a ton to do with the exact like this we're, we're dealing with like a third party here where dragons are coming back in the middle of this big war so you're not dealing with the two big parties basically in the war you're dealing with a faction and then this third party coming in and being like oh shit what's happening um so I don't know. I, I definitely want to run something like it at some point, and Team at as a villain sounds awesome, and I want to do it.
2: Agreed. I think that sounds really awesome. But in that case, I probably won't be picking up the book. But I will. I will pilfer uh, the 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 features online because I I want to know about those. Uh, I've seen the feats floating around,
0: so I'll I'll look into those then.
1: I've heard they're pretty powerful. Yeah, they wait. made
0: them like setting specific though, where it's like, hey, you should use these feats in this setting specifically. Which is um,
1: exciting. It's exciting to get the, the opportunity to use something that strong. Yeah. Um, I do hear a lot about the, you know, we're not reviewing Dragonlance, but, I, but I've been hearing a lot about war and, like, politics and kind of stuff. Um, I do, on on top of the the idea of fighting something so colossally large, right, this Titan, this Tarrasque, whatever it may be, I do love the idea of fighting just an incredible amount of enemies like an actual army like so many swarms maybe you have to break up into like units and they have unit health and they get this many attacks or like there's
0: four different combat or five different combats going on at once with you guys each being the lead of a platoon yeah
1: you have to control them that's and so command cool. that's pretty i don't honestly don't know how i would start running that. i think there are mechanics in some of the the books on how to to run like large scale warfare oh i know what i would do really i would i would take each of these like little books that the third party books i have and
0: set up a scene for each of you, and be like boom, 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 boom. Four different scenes. I would give you each like a couple of uh, allies to to have along with you in their stat blocks, and then each of like you know we would each have spots on there, uh, your stuff on the field, and I would have you be commanders for these guys, and then I would put different enemies on each board. Yeah, and then you just roll initiative for
2: everyone at the same time. So we're doing all the battles exactly at simultaneously. The same time. Yeah, that was my favorite thing that I uh, that I pulled as a DM is when we did that in Curse of Strahd yes. near the end. Where you guys were fighting in the in the church, or you know, uh, I don't think you were. You were actually running up to do the other thing. Yeah, but uh, you know, simultaneous initiative for that.
0: Yeah. Um, other note. Oh yeah. Um. One of the one of the other big things on my D and D bucket list. I know we're running long on the episode. Um. But one of the other things on the on the bucket list is I really really want to have um a political intrigue like arc. I don't necessarily want it to be a whole campaign. I want it to be like a few levels you go through, though, where it is it is you guys dealing with opposing sides, kind of getting word from both of them, dealing with some, you know, corruption somewhere in between, getting in some fights here and there, kind of solving the mystery and then kind of dealing with the political thing. Um, And I already know how I'm going to do it. It's already decided and it will be in our next campaign. (gasps)
3: <gasps> our next campaign our
0: next campaign you see i was gonna say
2: eberron would be a perfect candidate for nope, that.
0: no it's gonna be in the next campaign okay because it fits better
2: all right well <laughs> i i trust you completely yep we're talking space politics boys yeah if there's anything i loved about star wars it was the space politics <laughs>
0: that went over well in the prequels
2: yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> but it'll be fun in dnd because we're we're
0: actively participating in star wars it's like oh i'm six yeah exactly <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Table Talk Friday, a D&D podcast. Remember, you can, well, first of all, special shout out to our producer, good old gamer. Thank you so much for being there. Remember, you can join our patrons at patreon.com slash tabletalkfriday, but you can also find us at youtube.com at tabletalkfriday, TikTok at Friday, and many other places, at Table Talk Friday. You know, Twitter. (laughs) What a joke, am I right? (laughs) Anyways, um, with that, can I have the space politician take me out? Oh,
3: I see you are. uh, You're ready for the next campaign season. Well, I'll just let you know that excelsior to to the moon and and back i will i'll fight for you venus venus the planet venus i'll, I'll fight for venus rights <laughs> <laughs> and that'll that'll be what that's my platform it's on venus i have a platform flying over venus but i'm also basing my campaign about about the the rights of venus i love venus <laughs> Also, my name's Jerry. I'm I'm Jerry the politician. I'm Jerry Space. Jerry Jerry Space. The Jerry Jerry the space politician. Have a good night. Uh, Table Talk Friday, right? (laughs) That's the name of your show. All
0: right. Have a good night.
1: (laughs) Jerry Space, the
3: space politician.
0: (laughs) I I also like how ninety percent of your characters start with. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I bet if we go no, back and I, I, listen.
2: I have to decide the tone of, you know, what what's the voice I'm going to do? Oh!
0: Oh! It's it's this voice today! <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very funny. I was yeah. like, the outro is always like,
1: oh! 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 Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. I, I want you to know, now that we are going into Spelljammer in the future, I expect Space Jerry. To be, he's <laughs> space Jerry be. the politician. He's got to be a canon character, even if just like a mayor of one of the local towns or like planets or something. He- he's got to be in yeah. there. Have I'm you so heard stoic. about the
3: problems in Venus? They're very bad, and that's my platform.
1: So he's Jerry the
0: space politician, but like his name on his birth certificate is Jerry Space Politician. <laughs> so like, it's just a space? <laughs> and no, yeah, it's just a space, and so he calls himself Jerry Space Politician.
1: And- <laughs> This sounds like some high quality first level quests right here. Oh yeah. This guys like oh yes, I need you to come I've, do this, but we're actually just getting like posters. I <laughs> think you guys are going you guys
0: are going to puke going from the end of Avernus to like maybe a week or two break to the first session of Spelljammer cuz some wacky shit is going to happen in session 1. Are we
2: starting at first level?
0: Maybe. We'll see. I think third mm. level probably. Yeah, I think I like, third I level. Like third I level. think third level's is more appropriate for this campaign. Um, so we'll start at third level with your characters. Obviously, we know that one character is going to be grounded. So from the um, the material plane, and then the rest of you, I expect to be kind of like a Guardians of the Galaxy troop. This is going to be good. I don't think we we still haven't decided or w- was... no one's really talked about anything. Yeah, uh, we did play
2: that one session of Spelljammer, Spelljammer Academy. Academy.
0: We know what Drew's playing. Oh, so yeah, excited! Drew,
2: you're you're forced to be Gordo. He was because so good. He
1: was so good that he has to stay. I really, I did not expect people to take a liking to him. I was like, I guess I'll just be a paladin because paladins are kind of lame, right? And then I just loved the race so much. That's all I'm gonna do. Yeah,
0: as long as you're a plasmoid, I don't care what class you are. It's so fun. I, I, but
1: but to be real though, that's why I want to see all the other races now. Is because I had so much fun with the plasmoid. I can't wait to see what people do with the uh, like all the other ones. I you think know? you were Chase would make a sick a uh, plasmoid monk or
0: something oh plasmoid so monk cool. is the coolest like morphing your body into punches and stuff
2: oh uh, yeah well that now i'm just imagining like you know yeah you you take whatever shape you need right so uh you just be like grow six arms and
1: flurry like a like a jojo It's well that the what is it called the astral self monk that would work actually extraordinarily extraordinarily well with that one i think
2: yeah you it's not astral it's goo you're the goo, the gooey self the monk, goo, the goo <laughs> monk. You, like
0: you go for an attack for your flurry of blows, and you spin your you like you take your arms and spin them, and they start going around your body quickly like <gasps> a helicopter, and then you hit them four times in a row. Oh,
1: that'd be so sick! Yeah,
0: like that episode of SpongeBob
2: where SpongeBob and Patrick start spinning around real fast. Yeah, and then...
1: <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd have to check, but I think they do get some sort of grappling advantage because they're ooze, you know. So I actually love the idea that someone wants to play just a enchanted mimic, a smothering, but monk. they're just a reef. Oh, that's actually yeah. Like dark. you're a
0: monk that like grapples onto people and just smothers
1: them with your goo. That's long death monk right there. That's dark. That's oh, dark. I like that. <laughs> it's a long death for them, but uh, a short oh, death and the reason they got in into the long
0: death is because they study the human body because they don't have one. <gasps> that's pretty sick actually like, that's they, they sick. study humanoid bodies because they're like they, they take the shape of it they are so interested in it uh, they almost never leave their humanoid shape and they really like the idea of a blood and flesh body but they can't they can't have it
1: there's so many cool things you could do yeah I want to play more plat. can we play additional uh, space race people before we so, actually get in the spelljammer to try so some so no
0: uh, we don't have time for that but also um. There will be Spelljammer races present after, but I don't think Plasmoids will be one of them. (laughs) Sadly, like they just don't make sense in a lot of settings. So it's like, this is your chance to play a Plasmoid. Um, We might do some, like, Spelljammer-ish one-offs and stuff in the future. But, you know, I want to do a Spelljammer campaign, then go back to Material Plane stuff, and then maybe do another Spelljammer thing in the future. But this Spelljammer campaign is going to be lit. Like, we're taking the best Spelljammer campaign from from 2nd edition. We're doing the one we got now, which is pretty good. And then we're doing something in between that I've planned out that I'm excited
1: to do. So, like, we're going to play a lot of, like, iconic stuff that's really cool. I feel like we need more time in between these campaigns because we're going from fighting this like be well no not God-like, god like god as modius right at level 20 to space shenanigans so i need like i need a little time to decompress okay know. well like we, we, do do it we don't week. have time for you to decompress, I have to decompress. we <laughs> have too much to play so <laughs> we'll we'll I, do uh
2: that that one session of ghosts of salt marsh that you've been foaming at <gasps> the mouth for i yes. would love that i
0: would love that you know i would love you yeah, to take a week or two off uh in between where i'm like okay i can decompress and prepare my stuff for the next campaign um while someone runs something
1: but if we're already doing, you know, the two weeks, we might as well make it like a 30-week decompress. No. And just do Saltmarsh.
0: No, because then I don't get the DM and I need DMing as part of my mental <laughs> health. Salt,
1: but Saltmarsh, we're in a haunted mansion right now, Seth. We have to finish it.
0: Seth, you are more than welcome to DM. Uh, I feel
2: like DMing uh is not is not what I need for my mental health.
0: No, yeah, I, I've seen you like on a consistent weekly schedule and I think you guys you guys especially uh, are more suited to the to the like planning the the big sessions Like, I'm doing this one really big thing. I need it as a habit or else I'm not going to do it. Like... I like it to be my weekly thing that I do of like me prepping the campaign or not prepping it and just being like, I'm going to run. Like, I don't care. I don't care what happens. We have time. I am, I'm running the campaign this week. I don't know what's going to happen. Or, you know, there are the days where I sit down for four hours and I plan everything out and I'm like, yes, this is going to be the perfect session. And I have had a lot of those like four hour prep sessions recently where it's been like, oh yeah, this is going to be a great session then we get to it. It's like, oh my God, (laughs) all this crazy stuff happened.
2: Yeah. I've noticed. Um, because there is just a lot of crazy stuff where I'm like, Seth didn't think of that just in the moment.
0: No, yeah, that's, th- sometimes it is. Sometimes it's, like, sometimes the things I say or the the conditions I set us up in are like, yeah, that was a spur-of-the-moment thing, you know? Um, Adonis going away was a spur-of-the-moment thing. Like, oh, for sure. I set the boundaries for that and the conditions for it in the moment. Like, I didn't preconceive what the reward was going to be before I got to it. Um, but... I did preconceive something was going to happen. Like, I knew I was going to offer one. Um, I just didn't know what it was going to be because I didn't, like, I figured I'd just come up with the idea in, in the moment because I didn't know who was going to ask for what. Yeah, we sure could
2: have uh, asked for maybe anything.
0: And instead, we chose to kill our party member. <laughs> 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 yeah, kill pl- himself.
2: Could you please, well, yeah. Uh, but he walked up and said, hey, could you please kill me? <laughs> and we all said, oh, but that, that worked so well for the story, so we'll let you do it.
3: But, See, but um, we
1: could have been buffed, though, because he's now in an enchanted sword. So all we have to do is kill his wife that he sacrificed himself for, take the sword, and we're up a party member. He can wield himself. Sean could literally be a character and wield his old character in his hand. That's a buff right that there. That is true. All oh, we yeah. have to do is be evil.
0: This campaign has been nothing but building blocks for the future. I want you guys to know that. The amount of stuff we have set up over the course of this campaign of, like, Magic items that have been created, little blurbs of like stuff that can happen in the future of you guys being like, "Huh, that's kind of cool," and the stuff that you'll you'll remember in two years when I bring it up again. Um, this campaign has been all that because so many things have happened to this point creatures like people and creatures you've interacted with that might have just been a one-time thing but they will come back up again because they're in my head like this uh, much more than Storm King's Thunder which had a lot of iconic characters for us now to the point where we're at like especially after this campaign everything means something because we've had so many cool interactions like just to remind you of one that always comes to my mind we had a one-off about Tiamat that was just put to the side Yep, That is a currently yep, yep. ongoing storyline that's just left over there. Um, super exciting that that's going on where, you know, that's out there, that's happening. Uh, we've had character interactions that didn't come around so far later. You guys finally, with an NPC that was so mysterious earlier in the campaign, finally understand what I was leading to in that moment. Uh, with the, With the hairdresser, like... The hairdresser. Yeah, the that moment finally came to like culminated in the last session where it was like, Oh, we get what this character was. Uh and funny thing, I didn't change anything about them. That is how they're written. Like I I pride myself on those things where it's like, oh, they put this in the book if you wanna use it. But it doesn't really amount to anything in the grand scheme of the campaign. Um I've been priding myself on the fact that, oh, I got to use that. That's awesome. Like, I actually came back around and made it mean something.
1: Which is crazy to think that we've made that many new moments and, and new arcs and new opportunities. Because I still think back to our previous campaigns like, we never found the the snow weevil. That weevil guy. Oh, the yeah, weevil. The weevil. We I think about him all the, the time. Weevil. I want to go get him. In, uh, in Eberron, we never found the chameleon. Hold Ever. on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Are we just going to leave this...
2: Amazing character idea on the on the drawing room floor, where where or uh, I don't know the the drawing table, no, whatever the word <laughs> the is,
1: drafting table. Yeah,
2: uh, uh, whoever our grounded character is in Spelljammer, it's got to be the Weevil.
1: <gasps> it should be the Weevil. It no, be
0: the weevil. I don't think it should be. I think we need an original, like good old farm boy character. Yeah, I'm
2: I'm sure Sir Baravin or whatever his name was uh, caught him. We we could do a uh,
0: a one off about the weevil. We like, have. To. I I know the story of the weevil. Like, <laughs> I I read it. So, uh, level eighteen, it. right? It is a full side quest. Like you guys could have followed along and done it and met up and done it at some point. Oh. Um, I want to do it now
1: though, because I feel like we have loose ends. We, we doing it it a one off. I don't mind it. I'll squeeze into the Christmas one off. No. Also, Santa's no. actually the weevil. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: that brings up too many questions. <laughs> No, real I... ass Jesus Christ exists in the in the Christmas one off canon. So, <laughs> I, the Ranger of Jesus
1: Christ last year.
0: Yeah, uh, well, he was a paladin or a Ranger paladin. Please, Paladin's right? That's yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. Speaking of that, Slushy is coming out great, man. Oh. I I've been thinking about this character a lot. Uh, my magic item that I brought up to you, I thought was very fun and. I wanted to bring this up to you. Now, there are two versions of the Persona Jack Frost. Um, mm. Now, one is called Jack Frost, the one picture I sent you and Zach before. Okay, now, okay. let me introduce you to Let me just type it in right here. Zach? There Frost? I think go. I know you're going with this. And then we have Black Frost. <gasps> now, that this is a real Persona in the game. Jack Frost, then there's Black Frost. Um, it's like Black uh, from, from, now, from Persona this is from Persona and this is what I'm basing the image of my character off of because what I, I knew I wanted to be a toy snowman and the that looks the most like a toy snowman to me. And so in my head, that's what Slushy looks like and just a tiny toy snowman like three feet tall. Um, now, I have my my weapons, my two weapons, mm-hmm, you know, based on mood, maybe form changes a little bit based on what weapon I'm using.
1: Ooh. Um, okay, from, okay.
0: From the Jack Frost one like to the Black Frost one and that depends on my attitude. So maybe I come in as like Jack Frost, like cooler, cooler than like higher than life type deal, like well, what's up, dude? And then
1: and then we switch over to Black Frost, and I'm like fucking insane, you know? Oh, <laughs> see, I love the idea of channeling the whole idea of Black Ice, right? Because it's all about slipping and not seeing comings. That's stealth, right? Uh-huh. So you could use. I know we've talked about this previously. You could use the spell uh, a Charlon stride. And anywhere you move, or even maybe if that's just a magic item for yourself, anywhere you move becomes black ice, difficult terrain, people have to make deck saves to walk over it. That would be pretty sick. A
0: Shardalon Stride is second level, correct? Yep.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. Or two or three. I,
0: I could change something out and take that. You know,
1: Ooh. Uh,
2: I don't know if you boys know, but uh, a Shardalon is actually like a, a famous ancient red dragon in uh, in Forgotten Realms. Really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, I I looked uh, I looked up popular D and D villains to make sure that I wasn't missing any. Where are they from? Uh, uh in Forgotten Realms, I I'm not sure where they're from, but uh, apparently they're a his special thing. Uh, he's an ancient red dragon with the heart of a demon, so he's <gasps> he's got like you know this
0: whole fiendish thing uh, going on about him. But, That's uh, sick. But yeah, he's a, a red dragon. That is really cool. I I want him to be somewhere present, but we've already dealt with ancient red dragons before. They're kind of old news at this point.
2: Yeah, no ancient red dragons in hell.
1: Mm. What if what if there was a, a hellish dragon, though, that instead of a flame weapon, had sticks water that it sprayed out of its mouth? That would be crazy. I like that. No? <laughs>
0: that would be sick. Can I tell you guys my little worry of this campaign, though? okay, so so a little worry I have is like, are we it I, I guess maybe it's like a form of imposter syndrome or something, but I feel like you know with the modules we get, you know, we usually still get villains, yeah they. They're villains, but they're like small potatoes villains. Like, they don't always... in you know, the structure of the world is never changed by the villains we get in the modules, right? These are, you know, those adventures that run. The structure doesn't really change. You kill Hallister in the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, like this the, uh, level 20 campaign, and still nothing in the world changes. Like, nothing, nothing's better or worse because hallister has gone. Hmm. Um, So, that's, that's a lot of the structure we get. You know, Imrith in, in our last campaign. You know, you killed Imrith, but... And yeah, you you may have, you know, we, we restore the ordning. we yeah, you know, re, we
2: return things to peace, but ultimately, uh, you know, there were other adventurers, someone else could have done it. Uh, you know, the 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 world has faced bigger and worse threats all the time.
0: The structure of the world didn't change at all. Waterdeep was still there, Neverwinter's still there, you know. The only things that really changed were a friendship with the with the giants was formed, which was nice, and a couple of towns got destroyed by the giants because they were rampaging. Like that That was really all that changed, and we're dealing with a campaign right now where quite literally like things will have to change at this point now, and I've never dealt with like a larger than life villain like that, and I'm always scared that like things will get too convoluted in the story, you know like whenever whenever you get far into too far into making something like a story or something like that or writing as uh, things inevitably start to intersect and get convoluted and there's too much to think about, there's too many things going on, there's too many loose ends and it's, it just doesn't work. You know, that's happened with the MCU recently where like a lot of that stuff is like, Oh man, now we have too many story threads going on. It just feels like it doesn't all mean anything anymore. You know, that's a lot of the complaints we got with phase four. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I want to go to you know different settings and stuff, do some resets, but also I want our our current plane on the Forgotten Realms to continue along because we have so many loose threads here, and it means a lot to us. Um, so what I'm trying to say is, if I do uh, Asmodius and we kill him, you know, if, if you guys, it's, let's say you guys succeed, you might not, and this doesn't matter at all. But if you do end up killing Asmodius then, like, now the structure of that has changed. And now anything that's said about Asmodeus in the future, if a campaign comes out with Asmodeus present, we can't use him because he's gone. Well, um, uh, so uh, tell me this, because I
2: don't know. Um, when devils are killed, uh, they return to the Nine Hells uh, and are reborn in the in the River Styx. Uh, if we
0: kill Asmodeus, is he coming back or... It depends. Okay.
2: Well, so, that answered my question.
0: So, Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's say Asmodeus dies, and now he's not the Lord of the Nine Hells anymore. Okay, the structure's been hurt, we don't really know what's gonna happen with him. Um, you know, I run Tiamat, and you guys, you know, inevitably, you gotta assume that you kill Tiamat, right? I imagine so, probably. If, If I was to run Tiamat, so, well now what? like... Or do you just drive back Tiamat? Do I have to make it that anticlimactic where you don't actually kill the villain? Like do you, where you just drive the villain back and it's like, aha, we've won. Till next time. Well, yeah, you know there is often that element which you know I do think it's uh, sort of
2: unsatisfying. But um, with with all of these iconic villains, there's always like a little clause in there that they that they come back. I mean, you think about uh, like Ganon from the Legend of Zelda. He always comes back. It's the same thing with uh, you know Tiamat. Uh in end of Tyranny of Dragons I I don't think you even kill Tiamat you just you know uh banish her back to to hell to you know await another uh attempt by the cult of the dragon to you know uh bring her back to the territory Right and you plane. already know where Tiamat is in hell. Yeah, right? you yeah. guys have been there. Uh or, or you know there's uh, uh Strad for instance you kill him it's in the book that yeah after like so uh, ever so or you know long enough time has passed he will return. And you know, uh, and rise again.
0: Uh, there, there's just like these these weird. Same with Hallister Blackcloak. Uh, he has a basically a permanent reincarnate spell on his dungeon, huh? So that way, you know, if he's killed in there after, yeah, a certain amount of time, he comes back in in the the uh, undermountain. <clears throat> yeah, I assume Sararek
2: probably has something similar. So it, it's it's cool to have these villains, but at the same time, you know. Uh, what what do we do do we you know press on with the ramifications of oh this this guy's dead or you know do do they rise again eventually or or what's what's the deal with that
0: i think it's narratively cool if they rise again like far in the future like if we were doing this campaign stuff for like 40 50 years and one of them one of them comes back but inevitably i want your victories to mean something and i want your losses to mean something so like if your character dies and they're not coming back, yeah, you might be able to go visit them they're on their specific foothill in, the, in the afterlife. But at the same time, they're not coming back with you. Like they're, they're here cause they're here cause they're dead. Um, so yeah, I, I would just like for, for things to mean something. I always hate it when I'm watching an anime or an MCU movie or something and they kill someone off and then inevitably because uh plot or whatever, they, they bring them back right away. like, I always hate that. Like it, it makes me so angry because I'm like, no! I almost, I nearly cried when this person died. Don't bring them back like that and just discount it.
1: I don't think it necessarily ruins everything by them coming back because they're they're extremely powerful deities or beings, whatever they may be. Um, but if they don't come back, it still it still changes everything because in our in our last campaign where we restored the the ordning. You know the the idea that now the culture has changed around us defeating this villain right the the entire world has shifted right and it's not just necessarily that but also within our characters too the same thing goes with Asmodius. Uh, asmodeus if we defeat asmodeus and he doesn't come back he's been in power for what i imagine is millennia bajillions of years the fear is still real the people have experienced this they know who he is there's there's legends told because he's you know this god the myths perhaps keep him alive, and he stirs in the sticks at all times. I don't think that ruins the, you know, that doesn't ruin any sort of satisfaction. I like the idea that he's still there. There's always the possibility that he returns. I think it's kind of cool.
2: Yeah, and and then at some point, uh, or, you know, maybe immediately, uh, someone else is going to take his place. So, uh, you know, whether or not it's Gargoth or whomever uh, rises to, to become the ruler of the Nine Hells, I don't think that... Our killing Asmodius is going to end the blood war necessarily. I don't think that our killing Asmodius is going to, you know, um, ultimately. We have short lifespans in the, in, you know, in the cosmic sense. Um, but it, even while our characters are around, like you know, we're not going to put an end to all devils uh, by killing Asmodius. There's, there's still more shit there. Really, we're more or less solving a, a personal uh, beef. That he's got with us, so
1: well. I mean, he's kind of forcing us to. Yeah, <laughs> he's exactly. Kind of forcing us to come fight him. But no, I, I mean, you I took away his prize, prize his trophy. <laughs> I mean, I don't expect to you know stop all evil and create world peace by defeating Asmodeus, But the I still do find satisfaction in the idea that I spent you know two years of my life fighting this this incredibly fearsome creature that's known in myth and lore and even if he comes back in a few years that's okay because we you know in game of thrones uh lingo we broke the wheel right we changed that we shifted the way that the world was actually running and working that's cool
2: yeah i dig it yeah and you know (laughs) yeah you mentioned if we're still doing this in 40 years now i'm wondering like is there ever going to be a villain that you know, is more powerful than Asmodius that we're ever going to face, or, it, or th- for that matter, is this the only time that we're ever going to face Asmodius? Like, you know, in it, if we're still doing this in ten years, heck, heck, you know, like, do we do we bring Asmodius back into our games?
0: What's the how is that going to shake out? There are possibilities of facing off against like more fearsome foes, um, or like in conditions where they feel more fearsome too. Right, where I, I like mean, it, it, Tiamat is tiamat
2: <laughs> so th- yeah there's always that
0: <sighs> so know, yeah there are there are scenarios that i've had in mind where i'm like okay this could be a really cool idea for a campaign this could be a really cool idea for one um and inevitably like i think the most important part is like your guys relationship with your characters between each other and the uh the villains that you fa- like that you fight against where uh, the best stories aren't necessarily the ones where the where Asmodeus is the villain and you have to go kill him. Some of the best ones are like the one to fives, where it ends in a big like a big climactic ending, um, and you know you guys come out victorious or whatever, or someone dies in the process, but you still win, and it's an emotional ending. Like those are those are like the the best stories that are told and the best ones we can have at the table. But uh also we're telling an amazing story right now about Asmodeus, uh and his entire thing like you guys quite literally learned the lore the history of him along the way took away like for a very valiant effort took away uh one of the things that he cherished most one of the greatest victories he had of getting Zariel from her angelic status just like him to fall to an to a devil um you took that away from him and then you know now it's like yeah, we're coming for you next. I'm scared. <laughs> so it is cool. It's it's very cool. I'm looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm also excited for you know when our uh, when we're doing our next campaign. Uh, you know, maybe none of our characters survive, but maybe some do. And you know, what impact do we leave on the world? For instance, you know, uh, Eknon sort of has his impact that he's left. Uh, Beryl has his impact that he's left. Um, if we're going forward into into you know whatever, I'd like at some point doesn't have to be next campaign doesn't even have to be the campaign after that, but at some point we're gonna find a uh, an Oswin Alemaker original magic item and uh, and you know someone's gonna get
1: it. Alemaker patent pending. Sure. Ooh! you have to oh you have to come up with a little stamp you have to draw a little stamp that you put on your uh your, your items ale industries and and with that
0: guys i got to give kudos before we we exit uh to to zach for the magic items he creates because they're badass like every time he comes up with a new magic item first of all he makes a stat block like he makes an official magic item card for it and sends it over to me and is like is all of this okay and i read through it and i'm like yeah it's fine like it's good <laughs> no notes <laughs> Thank you. Almost every time I'm like, yeah, no notes. Like I'm cool with it. It's it's powerful, yeah. But so are my villains. So, and I've been able to prove that recently. Yeah, absolutely. Where it's been like,
1: oh, no matter how much power we receive, like there can still be stakes. It's actually the entire reason I'm scared to play Artificer. He's too good at making all these items. Like I can't I can't match that. There's so many cool items he's got on his belt. I'll ghost right for you if you wanna. Yeah, you shoot him ideas and he'll he'll write them. So you'll actually be the artificer. I'll just, you know, mooch off of you the whole time.
0: (laughs) I'd take it as a compliment. (laughs) Anyways, guys, thank you for an awesome post show this week. We will see you back here next week. And that's all I got. Goodbye.